0: Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful um, week, and uh, hope you're having a blessed Saturday. Uh, I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and if you're uh, just tuning in, you're listening to Let Us Reason, uh, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with Al-Fadi. And uh, today's topic, in fact, it's going to be the beginning of a series, as usual, uh, still tied up to uh, the concept or the doctrine of God, I should say, of Islam. Is he the God of uh, Christianity or, uh, or not? So I'm looking at different aspects of Islamic teachings to uh, uh, reach that conclusion at the end that, without a doubt, the God of Islam, as we know him from the pages of the Quran and the other source, Islamic sources, in no way the God of the Bible. Today we're going to look at something different. Uh, today we're going to look at the so-called the Islamic Caliphate or uh, Islamic Succession, also known as the Islamic State, as compared, of course, to the teaching of the Bible related to the Kingdom of God, for instance. And we are going to uh, use different questions that will lead us uh, along the way, and those questions really I'm so thankful for all, uh, for uh, my uh, dear brother Jay Smith and uh, his ministry, uh, the Fonder Center. Um, I had the privilege of um, uh, learning uh, a great deal uh, through their program uh, in terms of uh, resources and uh, other wonderful tools that can be helpful uh, to all practitioners. Uh, Even though I come from a Muslim background, I found them to be extremely uh, helpful as well, uh, so that I encourage all of you to... uh, uh, you know, connect with Brother Jay and uh, his ministry, learn more about what he does. Again, the name is Jay Smith. You can always go to YouTube. And at YouTube, basically, you can uh, type his name and you'll watch a number of his debates at the Speaker's Corner in uh, England. Nevertheless, um, the idea of the fact that the Islamic State, as we uh, know today, uh, known as ISIS or ISIL, um, uh, the claim that uh, they are on the rise simply because they, meaning the Islamic State or ISIL, uh, believe that they are going to bring about uh, a, a reformation to Islam or the Islamic world, taking it back to its basics, to its original uh, form, meaning the early Islam, uh, the Salaf, uh, that's how it's known. And the purpose of that is to really uh, re uh, the benefits of God's blessings, because uh, ISIL uh, and many radical Islamists believe that God doesn't is not blessing the Muslim world today because of their dysfunction and disunity and being basically um, uh, not uh, devoted to the teachings of God. So the belief is that the the way to bring things back to its uh, original form is to establish Islamic states. And you hear all kinds of things that Islamic State is the only place on earth that will be blessed, that you'll have peace, that if you are not a Muslim, you can live under their authority and enjoy all the peace that God has ordained for you, according to the Quran. So, with that in mind, let's basically ask ourselves some questions. Now, what would we expect in an Islamic State? Well, incidentally, in 1999, uh, our dear brother Jay Smith had a debate with uh, Sheikh Omar bakri Muhammad. And the debate had to do, basically, with the uh, idea that the Islamic Caliphate is the best thing for the world, actually, not the the Islamic uh, community only. And here are some of the things that the uh, Muslim debater, uh, Sheikh Omar al-Bakri, basically said, that under Islamic State, women would have to cover up And that's according to the teaching of the Quran, chapter 33, verse 59, for instance. And if women also refuse to uh, submit to their husband's authority, uh, the husband has the right, really, to whip them. uh, Or as uh, some of the translations say, beat them lightly. And uh, that's according to chapter 4, verse 34 of the Quran. That... um, Uh, All uh, theft will be eradicated within a year simply because uh, Islam calls for the cutting off of the right hand of the thief. And if you study Sharia, uh, the punishment can escalate. If uh, the thief, after cutting his right hand, uh, still does it, there is debate whether they should cut off his left hand or cut off his left leg, uh, crisscross basically, and go from there. Uh, And that's according, of course, to the interpretation of chapter 5, verse 38 of the Quran. Uh, All homosexuality will be get rid of basically completely uh, under uh, the teaching of the Quran, chapter 24, verse 2. And uh, it will stop all uh, acts of adultery simply because if someone is caught committing adultery, if they're not married, they will be flogged publicly. If they're married, they'll be stoned to death that's according also to the same chapter, chapter 24, verse 2, Muslims uh, only would be allowed to be in government. So if you're not a Muslim, you cannot hold office. And only Muslims will be allowed to be in the army of Islam. And only Muslims would be allowed to legislate the law, and in this case, Sharia law, and interpretations of the Islamic law, and so on and so forth. So this is just a flavor or what the Islamic State or Caliphate would look like. Now, just a quick question. If you read the pages of the Bible, whether you are a believer, or if you're a Muslim, I encourage you to go and read the New Testament, or at least the Gospels, and see for yourself if Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God who uh, that is at hand, that is near, if it has any of those characteristics in it. In fact, I encourage you to go to the Gospel of Matthew, and read the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, just the Beatitudes alone, and see for yourself if Jesus even alluded to any of those things. Now, let me be clear. God is not about promoting adultery. God is not about promoting things that are uh, basically anti-biblical teachings and anti-biblical values and ethical behaviors. God is not about disobedient of civil governments. God is not about uh, uh, stealing and dishonoring parents and so on and so forth. But at the same time, God in the Bible is a God of love who wants to give humanity a chance to be saved, a chance to enter into the kingdom of God to inherit the kingdom of God. So that's the drastic difference between the God of Islam and the God of the Bible. Let me add that all of those things that I read to to you about the Islamic Caliphate, they're debatable, by the way. There's so many debates out there among the Islamic community and especially the community of scholars. And we're not talking today throughout the history of Islam about how to interpret this verse and how to interpret that verse. So left with that you can really safely assume that all the laws of Islam are man-made because simply they're left to man to decide what is the correct interpretation. It is no wonder, then, that you have so many branches of Islam and so many schools of interpretations within each branch. For instance, the Sunni school of Islam, uh, a branch of Islam, I should say, has four, at least today, four sanctioned schools of interpretation. And it used to be more than that, actually. And under the Shia, there is one prominent, but there is more. There is at least three that we know of. So this tells you that there is division within the uh, basically the community of Islam itself. Now, how does that compare, for instance, what I read to you about characteristics of the Islamic Caliphate, the fact that um, you know there are no rights for women or rights for. Uh, basically uh, people who commit uh, sins and they're not given a second chance and so on and so forth. And uh, if you're uh, just tuning in, by the way, you're listening to Let Us Reason. Uh, I am your host, Al-Fadi, and we're talking today about a comparison between, or at least the beginning, I should say, of making a comparison between the Islamic State, known as the Caliphate, and the biblical teaching of the Kingdom of God. Now, Here is what we would um, start with. The Bible clearly teaches in Matthew 18, 20 that uh, where two or three gather in my name, that's the name of Christ, there I am with you. So right there, the presence of God is immediate with us as believers, and therefore uh, the King himself is with us. There are no boundaries, no borders whatsoever. Uh, that uh, designate this kingdom. And I would argue there is no also time that designated it, simply because this kingdom started from the beginning. And all believers are being added to this kingdom. This kingdom doesn't have an army, although if you read the book of Revelation, the Lord in his second coming will come as the judge, simply because he's given all huma- of humanity a chance a chance to accept the invitation and enter and inherit the kingdom of God. But if you refuse, God also, who is the God of love, is the God of justice. He is the God of judgment. He is also the God of wrath. And therefore, it's your choice whether you want to accept Him as the God of love, the God who died on the cross for your sins, the God who's opening the door for you to enter into the kingdom, or if you want to deal with him as the judge, and I'm afraid you're not going to win at the end. I mean, it's just plain and simple. So this is how we would compare. Let's do a quick comparison, for instance, between the Islamic Caliphate, or as we know it in Arabic, al Khilafa, and the Christian Caliphate. So for the Islamic Caliphate, for instance, it is a visible Caliphate that has a political institution, and a geographical state. Compare that to the Christian one, the kingdom of God. It's invisible. It is a personal, and it's a relational. With who? With the king of kings himself. Now, the Islamic caliphate tend to include the secular with the religious, basically. It allows people who don't believe in Islam to live under it. The kingdom of God, the Christian kingdom, basically, uh, uh, the biblical kingdom of God, I should say, or the Christian caliphate, it separates between the believers and the non-believers. You see, sin has no place in the presence of God, plain and simple. And that's in and of itself, is a drastic shift in the attitude and the character of God, if indeed the God of the Bible, who told us this before the coming of Islam, that He is pure, He's holy, He doesn't tolerate sin in His presence, all of a sudden He's allowing those who don't believe in Him to be in His kingdom and His presence. Now, the Islamic Caliphate, or the Islamic kingdom, if you wish, the Islamic State, has rules and regulations, and might I add, They are based on human interpretation. The Christian Caliphate is based on principles. Just read the Beatitudes, for instance. Uh, Read the life of Christ in the the Gospels. Read the letters uh, to the Church about all these principles and how we ought to model ourselves after Christ and so on and so forth. The Islamic Caliphate basically modeled on a 7th century fixed Arabic Culture. The Christian caliphate basically is modeled on a contextualized, fluid, universal, transcending culture. I mean, you look at the teaching of Christ, and it's in no way that you can uh, say that what Jesus is teaching, everybody can do. Even believers in Christ ought to really rely heavily on the Holy Spirit to walk in a manner worthy of this gospel basically. So it takes the power of God to enable us to be modeling uh, after our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's a kingdom that is fitting for all generations, all ages. It doesn't modify. The teaching and the preaching of the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago is exactly the same as we preach it today. It did not change one bit, basically. Now, If you look at the Islamic side, there is this debate lately between the moderates and the radicals and those in between about should the 7th century model be applied today, should it be modified to suit the 21st century, and so on and so forth. The Kingdom of Islam, the Islamic Caliphate, the Islamic State, focuses on the here and now. The Christian caliphate, the kingdom of God, the biblical kingdom of God, focuses on the there, when you get there, basically. So there is a journey towards that. The kingdom of Islam, the Islamic caliphate, is established by the sword, established by force. There is no denial that there is so many sources, Islamic sources that talk about Islamic invasions, Islamic basically uh, takeovers, and so on and so forth, to expand the caliphate starting from the early history of Islam. Where, in fact, if you look at the Christian kingdom, the Christian kingdom is established by choice. Our Lord is not going to force you, by the way, to become a member and a citizen of this kingdom, His kingdom. You have the choice to make. You want it? Great. You don't want it? You also made a choice that you're fighting against God. And ultimately, there'll be a consequence for that. But it's, you still have a choice. God is not telling you, I have the sword and you better accept me now. No, he's going to give you a choice and leave you alone to decide. But you have to be fair. There is always going to be a judgment. You either accept Christ today and be a member of this kingdom or deny Christ and face God, the judge, and present your deeds, and let's see how that would work out. Now, some might say, well, isn't this a threat? No, it's not. It's not a threat. Our Lord basically gave you all the facts about this kingdom, about His mission, and He still gave you a choice which part of that wasn't clear to us. He's not there to force you to do anything against your own will. Therefore, this is liberty and freedom, at best. And, as we know it, there is always consequences for those things. The Islamic Caliphate survives and thrives on power. This is why ISIS, for instance, intimidates even Muslims. Send you all these propaganda videos, beheadings, and drowning people, and burning pilots, and so many many other things. Why? Because it wants to show threat and power. The kingdom of God, the Christian, the biblical one, survive and thrives on weakness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 it talks about God using the meek actually and the weak and the poor and those who have basically marginalized basically in society. He uses those people to spread his kingdom. Why? Because we rely on the kingdom uh, on the power of God. I can all do all things in Christ who strengthens me. He is my power, not using a sword and try to intimidate people. The Islamic Caliphate is created and maintained by man. And this is a, a theme that you can study the entire history of Islam, and you'll see that only man maintained this kingdom. And whenever man basically let loose of his uh, observa- uh, basically supervision, The kingdom drifts away and then man, like Isis, steps in again and tries to take it back and there ensues battle and bloodshed and killings of innocents and so on and so forth. When, in fact, the kingdom of God, the biblical caliphate, is created and maintained by God himself and if God is the king of his kingdom, then no man can do anything to thwart the rules. And the peace that is in that kingdom. So this is just a, a kind of like a, a summary, if you wish, uh, in comparing the Islamic Caliphate or the Islamic Kingdom of God version versus the Christian or the Biblical Kingdom of God version, and as you can see, they're both are not the same whatsoever. And that tells us it uh, basically a, a very important thing. If creating, basically, the Islamic Caliphate throughout the world as a primary goal, then is it modeled today anywhere? Is there anything today that will tell us that the Islamic State is modeled so we can go and see for ourselves how is that working? Well, if you you look at the uh, Islamic countries, we have a handful basically of them who are imposing the so-called Islamic state laws, Sharia law. Saudi Arabia, of course, is one of them. Sudan is another. The Taliban in Afghanistan. There is portions of Pakistan also. ISIS today. Those are models. I mean, and look. I mean, compare just ISIS to any of these states. And you'll see immediately that there is a vast difference between the rules and behaviors in these states and between what ISIS is doing. If you ask ISIS, they'll say, well, we do it the Prophet's way. If you ask the other uh, Islamic states who have also Islamic rules and Sharia law, they say, well, ISIS doesn't know what they're doing. Well, we start with confusion right off the bat. So there is no unification here. You go to Sudan and see the form of Sharia imposed versus in Saudi, you notice differences. Uh, how they're applied. You go to Afghanistan, the areas are controlled by Taliban, and you see that the form of Sharia in there is different than the form in Pakistan or in Saudi, for instance. So what I'm trying to say is it's not monolithic whatsoever. It varies by location, by age. Uh, what I mean by age, like time, basically, century, uh, and uh, geographical locations, geopolitical Uh, uh, powers and so on and so forth that have some influences there. Now, um, other things that we ought to really um, consider is that if we were to go all the way back to the so-called the original Islamic state that was modeled for us, what would be our starting point? Well, simply put, The starting point will be in the year 624 AD when the Prophet of Islam migrated from Mecca to Medina. And that was the beginning of the so-called Islamic State. He established what I like to call the prototype of an Islamic State followed by his four caliphs starting with Abu Bakr ending with Ali. That period known as the guided caliphs or the Rashidun period basically. Now, let's look at that alone. Do we have solid evidence of what is being reported about that particular time frame? The problem is documents and eyewitnesses and other sources that support whatever is written about that, all of it is anywhere from 200 to 300 years later after the events. So there is questionable now sources And there is questions about the authority and the authenticity of those. There is variation also in these sources. You have Ibn Ishaq and his biography in 765 AD, basically. That's his time. And most of it was lost. His student Ibn Hisham, around 833 AD, he not only he captured what is lost, but he added more to it and there are many Muslim scholars of his days that even doubted some of the information that he had. Then you have another biographer known al-Wakadi, who only wrote the biography of the Prophet related to his military campaign. So we have something related to military powers and so on and so forth. You have Al-Tabari in 923 AD. And you have Ibn Kathir, uh, who has a history and so on. So all of those, Ibn Kathir actually would have been like at least 500, 600 years later. Uh, so uh, the point I'm trying to make is, you do not have a va- uh, a valued and uh, valuable resources and authentic resources and eyewitness accounts that lived around that time frame to tell us for sure that what is being recorded is exactly. What took place? Well, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, we've been talking about a comparison between the Islamic State, known as the Caliphate, and the Christian Kingdom of God or the Biblical Kingdom of God. We call it the Christian Caliphate for uh, the purpose of these comparisons. We're reaching the end of our show today. This is part one of a series that we will continue, and hopefully, you will enjoy. This comparison as the ultimate conclusion would be, are we talking about the same God who instituted both? Is the God of Islam the God of Christianity? Until we meet again, have a blessed week.